Good afternoon, folks, and welcome back once again to another edition of the Come Out of Her My People show. I'm your host, Mara Call, and this is a show where we talk about any number of different aspects of that admonition that I think is so important and so apropos nowadays, although it has been for a long time. It seems to get more so by the day. Come out of her, my people. Do not partake of her sins so that hopefully you don't partake of the plagues that are obviously already here and going to increase. And while what I've got planned for this show is intended to be serious and hopefully very practical as well, I will do something I don't often do, and that's give you the title up front. And at least that will come across as, uh, well, more than a bit whimsical. Bring me the broomstick of the Wicked Witch of the West. And if you remember the reference, folks, it's from the Wizard of Oz. The humbug, and there's a 1930s term for you, who looks downright saintly compared with today's Wizards of the Swamp. But this, at least, is consistent across the generations, since he was too cowardly to do his own dirty work and too much of a fraud to admit it. He came up with a genuinely Sisyphean task for Dorothy and her companions that would take care of the problem for him, or so he thought. And over the years, it's evolved into kind of a metaphor for a task that's assigned by somebody who really doesn't want to follow through on their commitments, that they demand you do so that, hopefully, you'll never, ever come back and darken their door again. And if it gets you killed along the way, well, at least their New World Order masters will be happy. And the question that goes along with it, and I'll go ahead and lay this out right up front, too, is uh, how should we respond to a demand like uh, bring me the broomstick of the Wicked Witch of the West? Or a whole bunch of other things you've probably heard, too, like, trust me, have I ever lied to you? Just wait until after the election. That'll fix it. Oh, and don't forget to register your guns and your kitties with the almighty state. I want to start by setting the stage and the tone for where I intend to go this hour with a couple of stories from earlier in the week that really, well, uh, irritated me. There you go. And these both have one really big thing in common. They are undeniable indicators that the deep state and the traitors that support it, and that's a whole hell of a lot of them, folks, are not only all on the same page, they don't care if you know who they are and what they're up to. And it turns out it's obviously not just hubris. It's more like they're double-dog daring you. You know what I intend to do, and you ain't going to be able to stop me. Yeah, as George Carlin said, there's a big club and you ain't in it. But not only that, if you're not in the club, they want you dead. And they don't care if you know that, too. So I'm going to start with the most obvious story and then work my way up to the one that otherwise would have let off today. And the reason why I'm saving it is because it's so subtle that we need to spend a bit more time on it. First, this one from the traitors, and I use that term, well, probably as an understatement, masquerading as senators that have come up with a so-called bipartisan agreement. And you know what that means. The Uniparty has both wings of that evil bird of prey flapping in unison. And let me just go with zero hedges coverage because it's probably the closest thing to uh, halfway balance. Now that the House has gone full Israel or bust, the Senate and the traitors that run that body have come up with a $118 billion budget-busting bipartisan agreement, which would allow another one and a half million illegal invaders, gang members, and foreign troops to enter the U.S. each and every single year. That doesn't count the ones that slip through the same way they are now. Allocates $2.3 billion towards NGOs and other organizations which support the treason. How's that for giving away the farm? Gives $14.1 bucks in security assistance to Israel. Well, at least somebody there cares about their borders. Oh, yeah, and let's not forget Ukraine. Those borders really matter a hell of a lot more than Texas, Arizona, or New Mexico. $60 bucks to the guy that plays piano with his penis in Ukraine. 
Who says incompetence doesn't pay? And the bill also locks in the green card giveaways, the incentives for the invaders to come on in, pick up your weapons, and go to your cells until 2030. And if you're not angry, folks, there's one simple reason. Either you don't know what's going on or you're simply not paying attention because this is treason being rubbed in people's faces. And by the way, the guy who gets the credit among the rhinos, one of the worst of the worst, Senator Sick, James Lankford, sellout from Oklahoma whose own state legislature censured him last week, but given the 17th Amendment, they couldn't do what they otherwise would have and recalled his ass back to Oklahoma, maybe put him in jail, along with other traitors like Chris Murphy, communist from Connecticut, and Kirsten Cinema, one of the communists who's there because she stole the election in Arizona. TGP's coverage, by the way, reminds us that the bill was negotiated in secret. Does that surprise you in the least? Between those evil traitors, with support from Senate Majority Leader, the anti-constitutional hero of the far left, Chucky e. Schumer, Senate Minority Leader, the traitorous Mitch McConnell, no surprise there, and of course, representatives at least of the double-diapered sock puppet. Now, let me pause at this point and note a couple of additional things. One, as you're probably aware, and I'll come back to this in a second. The reaction from the peons was so overwhelmingly negative and so vociferous that ultimately the Senate had to back down. Trust me, they're not done yet, and that's part of the key here, along with what you're not hearing. And it turns out some of the worst features of this abomination from the pit of, well, communist Chinese invasion hell were buried even deeper within and involved giving powers to the puppet masters, whoever it is that's pulling the Biden puppet strings and getting him to put an X wherever they want him to, powers to literally do essentially anything they blankety-blank and well want at the borders and in the way of invasions, declaring and undeclaring emergencies or whatever they want to call something on their whim. And the intent is, you can't stop them, and neither can the governors of the once-empowered several states. I do think this is key, too, from the same piece. Speaker Mike Johnson from Louisiana and House Majority Leader Steve Scalise of Louisiana posted strongly worded statements denouncing this bit of crapola, while freshman Representative Mike Collins of Georgia expressed his opinion more colorfully, putting it this way, quote, This bill is the worst screwing in the Senate since that damn staffer filmed his porno on Clochabar's desk, unquote. Okay, and maybe that's an understatement. And here's the key. Essentially, the bill allows 5,000 illegals per day into a no longer free country. And isn't that wonderful? 10,000 might have been too much, but the rhinos are happy to say, oh yeah, a little bit of invasion, maybe we'll allow you to up the percentage that are MS-13 and communist Chinese PLA. It's just fine with us, as long as we continue to get our goodies and uh, have access to the bunkers when the rest of you people get overrun and killed, as they intend to and as we intend to allow. I'll skip the literally traitorous details, but I do think Representative Steve Scalise's comment is uh, apropos. Quote, let me be clear, he said, the Senate border bill will not receive a vote in the House. Here's what the people pushing this deal aren't telling you. It accepts 5,000 illegal immigrants a day and gives automatic work permits to asylum recipients. Literally a magnet, he said, for more illegal immigration. Now, folks, I've used the word treason advisedly several times here, so I do think it's important to turn to the Constitution, because none of these sons of you-know-what that signed off on it ever would, and tell you what it says about this. Article 3, Section 3, quote, Treason against the United States shall consist only in levying war against them or in adhering to their enemies, giving them aid and comfort, unquote. And any questions? Oh, I know. Why hasn't every single lying scumbag who put their hand on a Bible and lied and then voted for this abomination already been arrested and sent to jail awaiting trial for treason? 
So with that on the table, this is kind of telling. Trader from Washington, Senator Patty Murray, sick, chair of the Senate House Appropriations Committee, claims that this abomination represents weeks of good faith negotiations, one communist to another, balancing domestic concerns with international aid needs. Said this trader in a statement, quote, as Ukraine runs low on ammunition to fend off Putin's Brutal invasion. The hell with you people in Texas. It is imperative we finally extend our support. Unquote. So, yeah, we're going to defend Ukraine's borders to the death of more Americans and to the complete elimination of all of our defensive ammunition. We don't care about that, obviously, or we'd be using it where it mattered. So screw you and the horse you rode in on. The American people can go to hell because we intend to defend anybody else in the world except those who we have a constitutional obligation to. I'm going to take a couple deep breaths here, and then I'll continue. But let's be clear, folks. The United States is bankrupt, dead broke. The dollar is over. Stick a fork in it. And these blankety-blankers are basically saying, well, since it's dead anyway, let's just go ahead and open the gates, let the invaders on in. And then when it collapses, people will have a lot worse things to worry about than the fact that their dollar doesn't buy anything from Walmart's empty shelves. I'll pause for now with a couple of comments from Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, who, while he's been selling out quite a bit himself lately, at least had the backbone to say no to this monstrosity. Quote, I've seen enough. This bill is even worse than we expected and won't come close to ending the border catastrophe that the, I can't say it, got to add one word, fake president has created. As the lead Democrat negotiator proclaimed under this legislation, quote, the border never closes. And he said if this bill reaches the House, it will be dead on arrival, which is about the only good news in here. Other than at this point, the traitors have self-identified. And that, folks, is the real reason why I reviewed this story, even though a lot of you may think, oh, it's a dead letter at this point. They've, they've backed off. It's not going to happen. All right. I mean, really, do you actually think even for a minute that they're not going to go back and try again, just like they did this time? Oh, yeah. And it'll be behind closed doors and they'll bury it in something and they'll probably pass it in the middle of the night and they'll make sure that it doesn't get any coverage until it's too late. Which, come to think of it, when it comes to the border invasion, it already is. And what's the connection with bring me the broomstick of the Wicked Witch of the West? Well, when the invaders take over a bunch of houses right down the street on your block... Or poison the water supply, shut down the power grid, you know, all of those other things that enemy special forces embedded in various cities around the country and all over the place elsewhere tend to do whenever they get the word. Are you going to call on the Wizard of Oz and expect help? And it just might be too late by then to organize your neighborhood, too. Okay, well, think about that for a second. And with that on the table... I want to change gears, but not focus, because this is the other story that I think really must get more attention than you know it will, at least until it's too late. From the Communist House of Traders and the Denver version of the swamp, where, according to Jim Hoft and TGP, the state legislature has introduced a bill that could see and is intended to, uh, well, be a harbinger of things to come. Don't forget that for a second. It could see a pet tax imposed on every non-livestock animal in the state. Now, I know what you're thinking. These people are obviously already willing to have their kids taxed and even their genitalia cut off. Why are they going to care if somebody comes and taxes or kills Fido and Fluffy? And we register your guns. Why not your goldfish? Well, stick with me, folks. You'll see. As George Orwell put it, the future is about a boot stomping a human face in the dirt forever. And putting up with this is a big part of that. But it's even more insidious still. 
Here's the story. A bill called HB 24-1163, sponsored by evil communist Regina English, requires Octum all pet owners. And you're not an owner, folks, if you have to register them. That's a bald-faced lie. Don't believe that for a second. Let's put it this way. It requires all the slaves that the state declares to be pet guardians to register their animals. Well the state's animals, in a state-run system with fees that critics are calling exorbitant and unnecessary. Full stop. And did you catch that? The critics, folks, entirely missed the point. It's not about the fees. It's about the fact that if you have to register it, it isn't yours. And guess what? Neither is your body, as you're going to see. Because remember, slaves can't own anything. It's called the Pet Animal Registration System and the Pet Animal Registration Act stipulates annual registration for pets with a sliding scale of fees that seem to punish those without the means to pay. And don't worry, they're intended to be the first to starve. Pets are just a step along the way. I'll come back to the ridiculous, asinine, in-your-face, insulting fees in just a second. Remember, those aren't the real point. The real point is getting the foot in the door and recognizing that you're a slave. You don't get to own anything. And if we allow you the privilege, you pee on you, of maybe keeping a goldfish, we're going to tax the hell out of it. Because once you can't afford to eat, and we force you to eat grubs and mealworms, we don't want you to have so much as a goldfish to even think about. However, U.S. ARC, quoted in the story, says that the burden on a family under this bill that have a hundred fish in an aquarium could cost the owners sick up to 2,500 bucks a year without jumping through all the right hoops. And if you don't like that, they're going to fine you. Unaware pet owners sick with unregistered aquarium fish could face fines up to $10,000, for example. Because the Department of Agriculture, sick, tasked with creating and maintaining the designated online pet animal registration system, allows for fines of up to a hundred bucks per unregistered animal. Even a kid's ant farm doesn't escape Big Brother's notice. And hint, you can't afford that for sure. Here's part of the crux of the story and also, folks, part of the intended cover-up. The state's overreach, says Jim Hoff for TGP, into private lives with this anti-constitutional abomination of a registration system has pet owners questioning the true motives behind the bill. Ah, uh, come on. Are you crazy? Or just plain stupid? Stupid is stupid does, Mrs. Blue. I guess But this goes way beyond stupid, folks, and it even goes way beyond evil. It's so in your face that it's intended, I will suggest, as a deliberate slap across the jaw. Because if you'll put up with this, and they already own your kids, you're not merely a slave. You're literally dead already. But that's not what worrying me. It's how to do it. These things must be done delicately, or you hurt the stare. Yeah, Toto, you better run. You know the Wicked Witch would have loved this. The bill claims that it's about providing pets with designated caregivers during emergencies. Maybe they're afraid that you'll eat your pets when you can't provide food for your kids. And honestly, folks, I would trust the Wicked Witch of the West with my dog before I would Democrat Regina English. Which leads me to the place where I part big-time company with even the critics here. There's a hearing set for February 22nd, it says, at the state capitol. Opponents of the bill are gearing up for a battle. They argue that this bill is a thinly veiled attempt at revenue collection rather than a genuine effort to improve animal welfare. Eh, 0 for 2. It's about controlling and letting you know who's boss and who doesn't have any rights whatsoever. 
because, claim critics, by imposing this pet tax, Colorado setting a precedent, well, that part at least is true, that animal companionship is a luxury afforded only to those willing to pay for government surveillance of their furry friends. And later, of course, folks, you'd better have a good socialist credit score and be, well, taking all the right marks. Or guess what? You're not going to be allowed to have anything, especially a dog that might defend you against the invading hordes that are intended to come too. Once they shut the power off, they don't even want you to have a barking alarm, it would seem. And now let me ask the obvious question that I hope literally everybody who's been paying attention and watching the sequence of tyranny here play out ought to be thinking ahead to. How long until these same deep state scumbags decide you won't be allowed to buy dog food or cat food or hamster food or fish food without having the proper registration? Duh! Remember, folks, and it's happening now, don't kid yourselves, when old folks who couldn't afford hamburger or even rice and beans decided cat food looks pretty good compared to the alternatives, and they were eating it? Well, guess what? We're going to head that one off at the pass. Jawohl, you will eat bugs, and you will like it, and you will have no alternative, not cat food or even a cat to eat. The bill summary, among other abominations, declares that it requires the commissioner of the Department of Agriculture to develop, implement, and maintain an online pet animal registration system. Oh, quick aside, folks. Note that they will register livestock long before they implement this. Done already in most communist jurisdictions. What that means, of course, is that if they declare your chickens to be substandard, they can come and do exactly what they've been doing. Kill them all and bury them in a ditch. And the same thing goes for your cows or your goats or any other animal that is registered as livestock. Don't think that the purpose is anything else, even though, as you know, they continue to lie. Because the intent is that when the hammer drops, and you can see it on the rise now, you will have no alternative. Back to the text from hell here. The bill also requires a pet animal owner, sick, to designate a caregiver for the owner's sick pet animal, who's responsible for care and safekeeping during an emergency and must agree to be responsible for the pet animal. The bill also specifies that to own or think you are allowed to have the privilege of being a guardian of the pet animal without registering so-called pet animal, or if you refuse, you slave you, or fail to comply with the provisions of the bill, or if you make a material misstatement, you slave you in a registration application or a registration renewal application, or if you make a misstatement to the Department of Agriculture, or if you refuse to comply with the rules and regulations developed by the commissioner, that is unlawful and you will be punished. The unlawful act is punishable, and I'm quoting, by a civil penalty in amount set by the commissioner but not to exceed a hundred bucks per unlawful act. And in the case of an aquarium, folks, that might set you back a bit. It's intended to. You slaves must know who you serve. And don't you forget it. And if the commissioner is unable to collect the civil penalty, we have ways of making you pay. So, folks, why do I think this is so important? I've spent quite a bit of time on it. Why is it such a uh, sign of the times? Well, you've heard the term the Overton window. This is certainly an attempt to move the Overton window and condition people even more to the fact that you slaves, you, you can't even own a dog without our permission. And if you don't like it, we'll come and take him away. Oh, yeah, right after we take your guns, because we don't want you defending your life or your dogs with anything that you slaves aren't allowed to have, don't you know? And therein lies the rub, folks. 
They're telegraphing their moves. And at least for now, I have hope that if people might let their kids have their breasts cut off or their genitalia removed, maybe, just maybe, they'll draw the line when it comes to taking their dog. I can't help but think the rationale goes something like this. Well, I won't let my kid be injected with the Zyklon B. Oh, well, okay, maybe if it's a requirement to put him into the public indoctrination centers, I'll go along with it. But if they go the next step and actually do detach some part of his body, then maybe I'll speak up. But that won't happen, will it? The neighbor's kid? Oh, yeah. Well, I see that little Billy has become little Janie, and my kid's had a skull and crossbones tattooed on his forehead, thinks transgenderism should be subsidized, and did kill one of the neighbor's chickens after he saw it exhale some carbon dioxide. But when they come and take little Fifi, I may have to seriously consider being upset about it. After all, that's why I registered her, right? All right. Well, basically, folks, the uh, the point of the introduction today had to do with, uh, again, bring me the broomstick of the wicked, wicked witch of the West and the idea that there are so many impossible tasks that are being set before people or tasks one way or the other that if you comply with them, basically you're signing up for the uh, the big lie. So obviously, I think a part of the answer is clear. When you're asked to do something which is ridiculous or impossible or uh, counterproductive or even deadly, whether it's taking a Zyklon B injection or cutting the genitalia off your kids or being told, hey, if you don't register them or your pets and um, you don't do the things we want you to do, you'll, you'll find them taken away. Well, the answer is no. But that, that's always a bit harder to, uh, to do, isn't it, than uh, we tend to think about it in the abstract. In other words, uh, when it really comes down to it, and Big Brother says you must register fill in the blank, your gun, your pet, your child, most people will comply, and, and that's the sad truth. Uh, I guess what I'm what I'm really headed to is this. I've got a couple points I want to make today. Uh, one of them is the big hurdle here is something that I think more and more of us have finally begun to come to grips with, and that is they really are not benevolent. The reason for registering your guns is not because they care about you and because they want to make sure that uh, you're safe, as the Biden Fuhrer says, when you're walking down the street and heading to your disarmed, gun-free killing zone where they can do whatever they want with you. No, it's not about your safety at all. It is not benevolent. It's about control, and it's about killing you once they decide that you're a useless eater and no longer welcome. Now, related to that is kind of the other element. Uh, once you realize it's not benevolent, well, then what? Uh, yes, it is about control. Yes, it may be about killing you outright. And if nothing else, you can rest assured that it's about slavery. And it's about making sure that uh, you slaves can't own property, you can't own guns, you can't own pets. Hell, you can't own a house for sure. And uh, this is one that I'll, uh, I'll go to the break with because it's uh, it's kind of interesting. Certainly something that I've talked about in the past, and, and I think more and more Americans are aware of. <coughs> if you have to pay rent, you're a renter. And if you have what you thought was your house, but you have to pay a, um, well, a mortgage, they'll come and take it away if you don't pay that. But it turns out that even when you think you've paid off the mortgage, if Big Brother comes and says you didn't pay your property tax, it's not a property tax, folks. What it really is is more rent. And it's a way of saying, look, we really own the land. Uh, I have talked about this for a number of years. Uh, there used to be a concept in the United States called fee simple absolute or title in elodium. In other words, it was yours. Kind of like the king of 
of England who owned all the land, but it was the various lords and others that were under him that had little pieces parled out, parceled out to them, and uh, they didn't own those. They paid the same thing. They paid property taxes. They paid fealty in a feudal system to the real lord, the king, and uh, all the way down to the peons who didn't own anything. They were just bound to the lands. They were the serfs or the slaves, and ultimately, whether we like it or not, whether we want to admit it or not, that's part and parcel of the system that's been set up today. You don't own the land. You don't own a house. You pay rent on it. And if you don't pay it, the real owner will come and take it away from you. Now, what's also fascinating about that, and I'll, I'll probably go to the break with this one, is a, um, a story that ultimately it goes back a long time, but it's, begot, it's gotten to be more and more of an issue today. This is from Michael Snyder. The headline says squatters are taking homes all over the nation and turning them into dens of crime. And uh, really what's happening is you have illegal aliens and other people who have decided, okay, uh, we don't want to pay property taxes. We don't want to pay anything. We just soon take somebody's property and uh, squat in it. So they find a vacant house, they move in, and then guess what? Uh, turns out that being in there is a um, is a better claim on that property than actually thinking you have a piece of a deed or some title to it because they're hard to get out. So uh, ultimately, this has become a real problem. Uh, Matt Uransky, who uh, manages a home cleaning company in Atlanta, says it's so bad there they got some 1,200 homes in the Atlanta area that have already been taken over by squatters. And for most practical purposes, they now own it, whether the people that think they own it like it or not. Another one bites the dust, and another one gone, and another one done. Another one bites the dust, hey, hey. Gonna get to do another one bites the dust. All right, we are back, folks. Second segment of the Come Out of Her My People show for today. I'm your host, Mark Hall, and the, the title of the show is Bring Me the Broomstick of the Wicked Witch of the West, and essentially it has to do with impossible tasks. Uh, it's a little bit different, of course, if you remember the myth of Sisyphus that was demanded by the so-called gods to push a rock up the hill uh, forever, and it would always come back down again. Oh, what a what a challenging and kind of endless task. Uh, but on the other hand, I think the, the real situation that we're facing with here in America today is is a bit closer to the famous movie from the 1930s where uh, the uh, the wizard of oz essentially issues an impossible task to Dorothy and her companions, and it amounts to go away. And if you get killed doing this and don't come back, I'm fine with that. And ultimately, folks, whether it's registering your guns or registering your animals or recognizing that you don't own your home, and um, if you think you do, just guess what? If if you leave it vacant for a while and some squatters come in, they're going to have it and you don't. A lot of people tend to look at all of this stuff, and, and um, as I was putting some of the notes together and, and recognizing all the challenges on the horizon, I couldn't help but think, uh, this does look a little bit bleak, right? That is, I, I'm very sure that's the intent of what it is that we're being faced with today. Uh, we have this story about the um, the Russians, Russia, 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 having launched something into space. It looks really scary, and the Congress is pushing out, uh, all kinds of uh, crapola, if you will, about how, how uh, important this is. 
And what it means, I'm sure, ultimately, uh, you had better allow us to pass this Senate abomination that uh, says we're going to defend Ukraine's borders and to hell with Texas and Arizona. And um, we are essentially abdicating our responsibility to protect you, just like we are on literally every other front, whether it's the UN's WHO and their desire to uh, inject you with poisons or the ability of people to say no to um, all of the uh, taxes and fees and control mechanisms that are going to be put in place up to and including the mark of the beast and, and so on. I mentioned before the break that I think one of the keys, the big hurdles is People eventually have to come to recognize that uh, this is not benevolent. There's nothing about what's going on that is benevolent. The attempt to uh, destroy the country economically and physically and by foreign invasion and with meltdowns, none of that is even remotely benevolent. Okay, well, once we come to that conclusion and we begin to realize uh, now what, but we still are faced with these impossible tasks, Register everything. Register your guns because you're a slave. Register your, your pets because you're a slave. Uh, if you have uh, some animals that you think might be able to help you uh, face what's coming, uh, whether it's chickens or goats or whatever, in the, uh, in the coming time where you're going to be told you better eat bugs, too, on top of everything else, well, they want to register and take away those things. Yeah, it does. It sounds somewhat negative. Uh, let me throw out one or two more negative stories and, um, uh, well, just... Because I'd like to, to set this up the way I think the uh, the Creator sets it up for us in the, in the Scriptures. Uh, China uh, and the infiltrators, they're coming here to kill us, says a piece from the Gatestone Institute. And it's not like this should be a surprise either. We are seeing 10,000 or so a day coming in. A significant uh, percentage of those are Chinese. They're other uh, other than Mexicans. And um there's no doubt about the the fact that the majority are military-aged males. Any number of them, and all it takes is a tiny fraction, are foreign troops. They're foreign special forces. They're terrorists. They are drug uh, lords and uh, uh, drug kingpins and their minions. Sounds really negative, doesn't it? How about this one? The uh, the net zero system that's basically saying we uh, we won't allow you to have energy. We're going to destroy the power grid. We're going to we're going to destroy your ability to have a car and make you have one that runs on the power grid. And then we're going to take the power grid down. Ha ha! Aren't we clever? We really stuck you with that one. So over and over again, we're seeing indications that the intent here is to uh, tie people down destroy their ability to provide energy and food for their families and ultimately uh, make them completely hopeless. And I think that is the thing that uh, when, when I step back and say, all right, uh, it's not just a question of how do we respond. We say no, we don't participate. Obviously, the, the title of the show is Come Out of Her, My People. And all of that is vital and it's important. But uh, where I want to go next is uh, a little bit more of a of a scriptural take than I sometimes do on this show. As you know, one of the things that I have uh, long proposed is that there is this overlap. If we understand the law of the land and what it was supposed to be, the supreme law of the land, the basis for the Constitution, well, it is Scripture. And, of course, if we understand what the real law is in Scripture, too, and the basis there, well, there is a lot of overlap. We, we, we come to realize that essentially every Everything that the United States was when it was a free country was based on that kind of law that was laid out for us in places like, well, the English common law, British common law, but 
That too is based again on the uh, the Torah, the covenant, the concepts that are laid out there in Deuteronomy. Essentially, all of the uh, the common law you can find in Scripture and in stories like Abraham and buying the cave of Machpelah and the uh, good and faithful servant that that goes and finds a, a bride as an agent for his son uh, uh, Yitzhak and so forth. So again. When we begin to recognize that this is um, not a benevolent system that's been set up, unlike the one that was, in fact, set up for us by the founders based on Scripture, then we have to ask, okay, as we come out, how do we respond? Well, come out is part of the answer, but but then what? What do we go back to? Uh, obviously, as you know, I will always suggest that that we need to study to show ourselves approved, go go read Scripture and understand what it is that we've been missing and so forth. But uh, in this time in particular, I'm, I'm leading up to kind of a, um, if you will, a scriptural, even a prophetic look at where we are and what's going on. Uh, one of the things that I think most of us have come to understand is that the mark of the beast, the elements that are being put in place there, they've been a long time coming, but now we can see almost all of them coming to fruition. I've said for years that uh, when I was uh, beginning again to return to an idea of, hey, maybe I better read this book, maybe I better learn a few things, uh, that was one of the things that was was clear to me up front. This idea that, wow, as an engineer, I could see the technology coming together, whether it was a uh, an RFID chip or now uh, we've got uh, mRNA and DNA modifications and uh, even uh, small nanomachines that enable people to be tracked and marked and controlled. Well, we can see how that aspect of the mark of the beast is here. The sociological elements of it, uh, gee, you, you want to be a good mother, you want your kids to be tracked if they get kidnapped, you've got to trust us because there are bad people who want to take your kids. No, not us, of course. So all of the pieces, if you will, that have, have allowed and will, will point in that direction of the coming mark of the beast, I think are already on the table. And uh, we've seen everything except the final execution and the requirements. So what else? Okay, that's one of those things that certainly sounds negative in it, and it looks almost hopeless because it says in the book that um, all um, people literally will be required to have this mark or this um, indication, this tag, uh, so that they would be allowed to buy or sell, enter into commerce. Sounds kind of negative for those that don't. Well, we, we know that what we, one of the things we need to do as we come out is to build alternative systems where we're not buying or selling, but we're literally providing for ourselves and our families, growing food, uh, swapping it with other people, but not entering into a commercial system based on fiat dollars and so forth. Okay, so again, all of that on the table. The, uh, the remaining element, and this is why I emphasize the stuff that looks so negative, has to do with prophecy itself. And um, I can't help but think, now this is a little bit of my own uh, take on uh, the the combination of all of the elements of prophecy that are coming together and that if we, we look, we can see the plagues that are descending upon a nation that has forgotten, well, a world, in fact, that has forgotten him. It looks like this, I think. Uh, we know that there are going to be things that happen at the uh, at the end of whatever it is that uh, is coming here. Men will shake their fists. Men's hearts will fail them for fear at the things that are coming. Uh, many of those things we are probably familiar with if we've, we've read Scripture and prophecy. But I think the thing that, to me, is most indicative of um, where we're headed is the fact that it gets to a point where literally those who don't believe are without hope. You look at the Sisyphean task. You look at the bring me the broomstick of the wicked witch of the West and say, there's just no plane, there's no way out. It's just hopeless. 
And ultimately, I think that is exactly what the Creator is allowing to come to pass. In other words, a situation that people will say, look, without him, I don't have a prayer. Without recognizing that there is some power that is greater than all of this, that's bigger than Big Brother, that's bigger than the registration of Fifi and Fido and my guns and everything else, and uh, is bigger than the people that are going to take my property and mark and stamp and destroy and uh, cut off my food, something bigger than all of that. To the point where eventually we recognize that really there's only one choice. It's not just come out of her. That's part of it. But the rest of it amounts to choose this day whom you will serve and to say, all right, I cannot possibly prepare for every possible eventuality. I can't possibly take care of everything that could happen. I don't have enough people. I don't have enough manpower. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough time. And there's no way I can prepare for everything that could possibly happen. I can't fight, uh, as the Biden Fuhrer likes to say, you're AR-15, will not fight my F-16s. You have no chance. Well, that's true. In a physical sense, you don't. Uh, in the sense that uh, he wants to take your guns because he knows that he needs to make you ever more helpless, that too is a lie. But at least when it comes to the thing that is uh, ultimately the um, the denouement, the the place where this is all headed, I think that is exactly what we got to understand. There comes a point at which we realize in our own power, even if we're well armed, even if we have silver, even if we have all these other things that uh, hopefully we have been putting in place. Remember uh, the uh, the line from John Adams I like to quote: "Duty is ours, results are God's." In other words, we are supposed to do what we can do. What we have the power to do first, we take care of ourselves, we do all of the things the scripture says in a physical sense, and then ultimately, when we realize that's as much as we can do, we have to rely on him for the rest. And that's where I'm headed today, that's where I want to spend uh, just a few minutes as we begin to, uh, to, again, answer this question, how do we respond? Come out of her is part of it, but it's only part of it. And I got to thinking, um, in the face of all of this um, outright uh, depressing uh, Sisyphean, hopeless kind of stuff that's coming down. There is a, um, well, there are seven letters, if you know, to, uh, to seven uh, various organizations. Um, I don't know that they're, uh, they're properly described in Scripture the way most of the people will hear them on Sun God Day School, as if, you know, which Sun God Day School is, is the right one. There's a church of Philadelphia out there somewhere. i got to find that one. Uh, how about a return to him and a recognition that uh, most all of the so-called churches today are still walking in rebellion to him? And essentially, I think that's a large part of what these letters to the uh, the so-called seven churches, uh, essentially in chapter two of Revelation, are, are pointing out. And of course, there are um, there are faults that are outlined. He says, you know, here you're doing okay in this in this sense. So to the uh, church of Ephesus, right? Um, these seven these things he says, and uh, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and and so forth. You've persevered, um, but I got something against you. I have a problem with you. In the case of that first one, you've left your first love. So in general, the um, the format of these letters is kind of like, hey, you know, there's some good things you got going on here, but ultimately you got some problems, and that's what I want to point out to you. And it's not the case in every single one of them, as I've alluded to, but it certainly is the general theme. But there is another element of this that pervades all of the letters. I know your works, your uh, your tribulation, your your poverty, and so forth. Uh, you're a synagogue of Satan, but he who has an ear to hear, let him hear. Hmm. There's a there's a common thread in all of these, in other words, and it says, um, 
Oftentimes, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit, what the Ruach says through these various organizations. And then it follows with this. And these words are consistent. And they appear over and over again. So the first one is in chapter 2, verse 7. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat of the tree of life. In the midst of the paradise, the Gan Eden, the Garden of Eden, the, the promise of Elohim. So there is this consistent thread to he who overcomes. All right, how about the next one? Uh, this is verse 11. Uh, to the, uh, to the angel, to the messenger of the, uh, the organization, the church in Smyrna, uh, he writes. And uh, ultimately, at the end of that one, it says, um, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Ruach says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Now, let me pause at this point and I think make the the, uh, the real point that I've been wanting to get to during the, the show here. Bring me the broomstick of the wicked witch of the West. Impossible deeds, things that ultimately, well, the intent is at least, that you can't do. On the other hand, why is it that if we can't do these things, he keeps telling us over and over and over again, to he who overcomes, to he who overcomes, to he who overcomes, there are going to be these things happen. Obviously, I think the implication is clear. We can, we must be overcomers, whatever that amounts to. How do we do that? Well, we talk about that every week. There are elements, of course, that are uh, consistent throughout Scripture, come out of her, know who we serve, trust in him, and so forth. But it's the uh, it's this idea of overcoming that I really want to make sure we uh, we conclude and talk about today. Uh, let's talk about the next one to the uh, to the angel the, the messenger of Pergamos those those that are in in that particular city. Um, these are the things says he who has a sharp two-edged sword. Oh, what's the sharp two-edged sword? Oh yeah, that's his word. It cuts both ways. I know your works, I know where you dwell and so forth. But I have a few things against you. That part is consistent as well. Um and this one is interesting because you have there those who hold the doctrine of of Balaam and who uh, who trusted in Balak the king. Now that's the story about the uh, the um, I I call him the evangelical TV prophet of his day who uh, was told, yeah, I'll give you all this money if you'll just curse these people, this this mixed multitude of Israel. And he was told by the Creator, right, even through the talking donkey, you better be paying attention here. Don't do that. And so, so through um, Balaam came some of the um, the most important prophecies uh, in this place. And yet, still, he pulled a kind of a Clintonian thing at the end and said, look, here's how to get them. Here's how to get them anyway so I can get my reward. Um, Entrap them with paganism, with women that will uh, will cause the men to uh, commit this this act of uh, idolatry, uh, sexual sin, and that's exactly what's being done here. He says, "Yeah, these people have been told to eat things sacrificed to idols to commit sexual immorality, and you have some of these among you. Better repent. Better make a turn around. He who has an ear, let him hear. Again, to him who overcomes this time." I will give some of the hidden manna to eat. The hidden manna to eat. Well, that might be something important if we recognize that we're at a time where uh, the, one of the four horsemen includes famine. And the idea that uh, Klaus Schwab wants you to have nothing, at best maybe eat some bugs, but that's only if you're a good little slave. So to him who overcomes, I'll give some of the hidden manna to eat. And I'll also give him this white stone with a new name on it that no one knows except the one who receives it. 
Okay, the next one, again, I have a few things against you. You you allow Jezebel to teach and seduce my servants to do all the things that she did. Hmm. Uh, that's, uh, I think, probably applicable to more of the uh, the Sun God Day churches than they would like to admit. But um, what does this one say as well? To he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end. He who overcomes and keeps my works until the end. I will give power over the nations, the goyim. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. He shall be, they shall be dashed to pieces like potter's vessels. And I've also received from my father, I'll give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Ruach is telling. Essentially all of us, wherever we are. Uh, the next one in the letter is um, about verse 5. We again see the dead church, is uh, the way it's summarized, the, uh, the church at Sardis. And uh, it says the following. Remember how you've received. Remember what you've heard. Hold fast. Make that turn. And if you will not watch, I'll come upon you as a thief. Remember the, the parable of the thief in the night. You won't know what happened to you. You know what hour I'm going to come to you. And uh, to he who overcomes here, he shall be clothed in white garments. And I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I'll confess his name before my father and before his malachim, his angels. Uh, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Ruach says to the um, the various churches. Finally, the uh, the final one, the faithful church, is how it's summarized. The place that most folks would say, oh, this is this is the one I go to right on Sun God Day. Philadelphia. I know your works. See, I've set before you an open door. No one can shut it. Because you have a little strength, but you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Interesting. And we've talked about that in the past, too. Uh, this one says in verse 12, He who overcomes, this time, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my Elohim, and he shall not have to go out anymore. I will write on him the name of my Elohim. Now, we know the name because he's told us, uh, Ani Yahuwah. And the name of the city of my Elohim, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from the heavens, and I will write on him my new name. Here, again, he who has an ear, uh, let him hear. Finally, the last one, and of course this one also gets a lot of press. This is the, uh, the angel of the Laodiceans and the people there. And it says this, I know your works, and I wish you were either hot or cold, because you're neither. So if you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my, my mouth, vomit you out of my mouth. You say, I have become rich, I've got all kinds of wealth, I have need of nothing. This sounds a lot like what we see today, doesn't it? Got my Gulfstream 4, got my uh, my Sunday ties, got my 501c3 tax exemption. You don't know instead, though, that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. So buy from me, and this is interesting too, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you might be rich. And uh, the kind of garments that you might be clothed with, white garments, so that the shame of your nakedness won't be revealed. And that uh, your eyes might be anointed with eye salve so that you can see. As many as I love, he says, I rebuke and chasten. That's always been kind of comforting, and uh, I think in this time as we look out and see how nasty things have gotten and how, uh, yeah, Big Brother, the fake gods of this world are not benevolent, what does he say? As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Ultimately, the good news here is uh, when the judgment falls and the majority, arguably the non-remnant, don't make it, those that do seek to walk in obedience, he does rebuke and chasten. But... The requirement, be zealous and make that turn. Teshuva, the Hebrew word means turn around. 
as you know, I'm not I'm not a big fan of the English word because for the most part we're not taught what it really means. It means you've been following after fake gods, you're going in the wrong direction. So make that 180, turn around and return. So re- repent uh, is um, it's not a bad word, folks. It's just that most people don't understand what it means. Return makes a lot more sense. Return to the one true Elohim. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Anyone hears my voice? And he opens the door. I'll come in, and I'll dine with him. Here we go. Final of the uh, set of admonitions here to those who overcome. To him who overcomes, he says, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I too also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Ruach says to the, uh, the well, the Ecclesia, as you know, is the Greek word. And uh, we had other words that were used in Hebrew, uh, the kahal, the assembly, the congregation, uh, long before. So uh, I think in this case, um, part of the reason why I'm always careful about those distinctions is this understanding that um, there are so many churches that are literally part of the whore today and that we have to be careful of. I have contended that if we recognize how far most of them have gone to the point where they are still in exile, they don't keep his Sabbaths, they don't keep his feasts, they don't know his real name, they don't know what's food and what's not food. They will tell you to, uh, yeah, sign up with Big Brother. When Big Brother says jump, you say how high. That's all essentially pagan. It's fealty. It's worship of another God. When in fact the answer is come out of her. Be separate. How do we respond to these uh, demands that we do the impossible in service of fake gods? Well, it starts with no. It continues with come out of her. And uh, the real bottom line is uh, we are told that we need to be overcomers. To recognize what's coming and somehow or other try to be among those who overcome. Now, I'll admit there's there's kind of a, a there's a leap there there's a gap right how do we get from a place of saying I I need to come out I want to be separate I want to walk in obedience to a place where we are overcomers and that's the uh, that's the undefinable missing part but we know what it is it's obedience to the creator who in fact is the one who says I will fight your battles for you. We saw that at the at the Red Sea. Sit still, be still and watch. See the salvation of Yah, literally Yahushua. All of those things are part and parcel of what people have heard, but have never quite connected the dots to understand uh, these are powers and authorities that he's given us, but we have to simply understand who we serve. We have to come out first. We have to be separate. Then we have to walk in obedience and recognize that as we're doing that, those he loves, he chastens. He will give us the guidance we need. We, he will give us the protection, the hidden manna, the food, all of the things that will help us to survive what is coming. And the intent, of course, is that most won't. But ultimately, we can and must be overcomers. And may Yahuwah bless you and yours. 